0: Hey guys, this is Joe Witkin with Reboot Your Relationship for another episode of uh, Breaking Through Your Upper Limit Barriers to Love, Connection, and Relationships. So today we're going to talk about finding your tribe and building your collective uh, relationships together and talk about really the heart of the Reboot Your Relationship and something I had started about 20 years ago, the Relationship Society, which has kind of evolved and morphed into and shape-shifted in a lot of different ways to uh, this new thing called Rebuilding Connection, which is uh, creating a safety net for couples, relationships. Uh, I am a trauma-informed uh, relationship uh, psychotherapist, and I've created my own methods for working with couples, relationships, Uh, Being a military veteran myself, coming from some trauma, we work with that. We work with families. We work with uh, blending families, also working with the trauma of childhood, um, these aversive childhood experiences. So, But creating this community and tribe has been the impetus uh, of the work I've been doing for the last 20 years, Um, thinking about some of the aspects of how do we create these connections, right? How do we build the connection and talk about this connection? Um, So I always start with a little bit of my bias because I think it's super important that we understand where we're going and how relationship is the path. It is the practice. It's the vehicle to our healing and transformation um, I believe, you know, <laughs> being in the military, you know, talk about war, right? War, you know, if we're going to heal the war in the world, we need to heal the war between the sexes, the dyad, and that the, the dyad, the couple, is going to be the leadership of the future. And so relationship is very important to, in all of our lives, in our families, um, in our business. If you have a business and you work together, you know the importance of keeping that family intact and not just surviving, but thriving through uh, different parts of the relationship. As you know, when you first form relationships, um, you create certain patterns, right? And once that cement gets sort of dried and all the you've printed and you've imprinted and you've drawn all these hearts in there, and maybe some children have stepped on the wet cement, And now it's kind of hardened. And now you've got a formed relationship that has now got some fixed ways of being our patterns. And then you get to a place of storming and then norming. And we want to help you get to norming and performing through some of this stuff. So again, if we've been broken, again, my bias, if we're broken and hurt in relationship, we need to heal in relationship. Relationship is the crucible. Um, It is the, place where, um, we can heal. There are many, many, many dimensions and, uh, uh, other challenges that we come up that are hidden, uh, as I always say in marriage and family and relationships and community, it's, you know, looking out at this huge, huge ocean, uh, with a lot of deep currents and, uh, waterways and riptides and high tides, low tides and it can be really overwhelming in different ways, right? So, enter the value of the tribe, right? The community. So, the rebuilding connection and the reboot. Your relationship programs and intensives are here. And by the way, you can reach me if you look at the number below. It's three one zero five six zero zero seven two six, and uh, you can text me at three one zero five six zero zero seven two six. And also you can reach me on email. So you can just uh, email me at joe at com. So I want to start with the idea of stories, right? Stories are extremely important as we begin to understand our own narrative and the narrative of those around us, we begin to create connections. Stories go way back and we all have our... Stories, right? So, as long as we share our stories and as long as our stories are revealing, let's say, our strengths, the light, the vulnerability, and the vulnerabilities, sensitivities, our shadows, we get into a bit of a symmetry, if you will, in all of us, where the symmetry of the light, you know, that part of us that uh, we <laughs> want everyone to see, uh, the light, right? That's the part that we show. And then there's a hidden part below the surface which is our shadows, right? That's the darker part um, that we kind of hide people from, right? And this is where it takes courage to be vulnerable, to lean in, to create these connections. And I will tell you, it's, this has always been one of the ch- most challenging things and something I get challenged on um, because one of the things that we do in the tribe here, work with men and women and trauma, And all these things is to really begin to, I I remind myself, you got to be a man with your men to be a man with your woman and vice versa. So we got to have this, these stories that we can tell and get into the depth of our own hero's journey, which if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell's work, the hero's journey is leaving the known world, right? And everything that we know, right? Because getting into the unknown world. We don't know what we don't know, all these hidden things that go on, right? And so there's a call here to our own personal journey and adventure into that world, the unknown world. And if you track through the hero's journey, you go through and you have to find a guide or, and a mentor as we go through the trials and the tribulations and these challenges that we go through. And we need a community, a tribe, a safety net us to be able to navigate some of these very murky waters and it can be overwhelming at times so we're here uh, to continue to help people create the sense of connection to reinvigorate our understanding and tolerance of all the little quirks of personality that um, in other circumstances would normally drive us apart. Because when we live in a family or a community or a country where we know each other's true stories, we remember a capacity to powerfully lean in and take charge of our love to restore each other into our wholeness, right? Into our to find a that restore that true self. Okay. So give you a personal example. One of the things is It's really hard to really get vulnerable, right, and to get authentic, right, and because we're hiding from love or connection or that sense of belonging in the tribe, right. That's because we because if you really knew me and my heart, what are you going to do with that information? How are you going to use it against me? And I and this reoccurs and repeats sometimes in all of our relationships where we we have that moment of safety and a sense of confidentiality and and then something happens and there's a betrayal of all that trust and they use that as a weapon against us. And that's where creating these safe places for people where we are focusing on healing the trauma and all these unconscious attachment wounds, unconscious attachment strategies and imprints that we've learned, either in our family of origin and or other ways that can destroy us. So I'm going to just lead with this one story. Uh, this is a true story about me, so I'm going to be really vulnerable because we tend to reenact a lot of our same trauma loops, trauma bonds, right? And I always had, I growing up, I talk, we talk a lot here at Rebuilding Connection, Rebooting Your Relationship, Uh, men to men, these men groups, about the wounding of the patriarchy and how that wounding or the wounding of the masculine imprints and affects all of us and how we have to be able to train one another um, as iron sharpening iron to work with that. Just like when I was in the military, it's the iron sharpening iron. We have to work together, but creating that space where it feels safe. So I, I was coming up with some of these concepts about 20 years ago, about creating this community, a safe place. I was doing it in a church, in a ministry. um, And I had read, I was reading in the Bible, interestingly enough, and I was going through a really hard time. I was having a hard time trusting men. I had trauma. My uh, aversive childhood experiences had to do a lot with my own father and other men. That um, didn't feel safe. So I didn't have that sense of safety with men. And so a lot of the guys in my life I would share with and kind of take the mask of the masculine off and had to learn to be more courageous and vulnerable uh, to love, you know, because the word courage means heart, you know, and it's actually vulnerable is also a military term where you're taking off the chest plate. So when you're going into a uh let's say you're going into coming out of war and everyone takes off their chest plate to expose make themselves vulnerable and you know as well as like in the military we have strategies and we kind of have to understand where the vulnerabilities are where we can be attacked right from you know maybe it's the top of a mountain or get stuck in a valley or something happens so we're always looking for You know, because as men, we kind of have created these walls or barriers to love or connection because of, you know, sometimes it's the way we are trained as children. Um, It's socialized and all that stuff works in the military, you know, being strong, walled off. It works sometimes as a child or if there's trauma or whatever, but it doesn't work in relationship, especially intimate relationships because intimacy is so confronting. It is two parts. It's joining in truth and love. And we need those two things, truth and love, speaking our truth in love. And those two have to lean in and we have to begin understanding how maybe we're choosing something like harmony, peace over truth. There's an exchange, truth and harmony. So some people really get up the truth, truth tellers, <laughs> you know, you know, those people, yeah. And then you have the harmony box over here that we hide behind and turtle up in and you get this kind of, you know, balance. But to be relational, we have to integrate both the grace, the truth, or the uh, love and truth. These things have got to be coming together so we can break through some of these upper limit barriers to to love Rumi has a quote and his quote is which i repeat you'll probably get sick of hearing me say this because i've been quoting him forever but our our task here he says isn't to find love it's here it exists right our task is to find all the barriers that we set against it against love okay so That's part of the task in breaking through these barriers in our communities to have safe conversations with one another without, by taking away the judgment and shame and all those things that keep us kind of in a barrier. Because where there's shame in relationship, there's this, which is very corrosive, it's very dark type of thing. And when we have shame, if you think about shame, it makes us believe that we can't change. And we stay stuck in hiding from love and connection because one, it doesn't feel safe. So going back to my story with men, working with the tribe, being in military, doing this ministry thing with guys, men, iron sharpening iron, you know, the masculine, I'm an alpha guy and I've always been alpha, uh, but I was also very tender and gentle too. I kind of had a balance of those two. Uh, the love and logic, emotional and intelligence. So I was able to integrate a lot of those things into my relationships, which served me. And so I was reading in Job, and I was, we were doing a, what I call our bond fire chats, not bond, but bond fire chats with men to create this sense of bonding, connection, again, that belonging, and to really support men and prop them up and kind of scaffold that so that we all had that sense of safety in the relationship. So I brought I was one of the leaders of this group. So I had I had brought up this idea of creating safe relationships, having safe conversations and everything and I had read this passage in Job where Job is going to God in Job 13 and he and here's God, right? He knows what's going on. And and Job's in all this pain and misery and suffering, right? And And this is really important that we understand there is a huge distinction between, you know, hurt and harm and pain and suffering. And so here's Job. He's hurt. He's feeling harmed. He's in pain. He's in suffering, which we all experience, right? So what's the distinction between these things, right? So let's say you break a leg. That hurts, right? That's pain. And you have to go to the hospital to a safe place to have your leg reset, wrapped up to heal, right? So there's going to be more hurt and pain because the reset, putting that bone back together, is extremely painful. But it's necessary. It's not just an option, it is necessary to go to the hospital. Okay, so that's hurt and pain. Now, harm, hurt versus harm and suffering is you break your leg, you don't go to the hospital, you don't, you refuse and you avoid the pain and the hurt because you feel like, oh my God, they're going to have to reset this thing and put it back together and piece it back together, which is, feels like more pain. So you avoid that, you ignore that, you stay in denial of that, and being a military guy, we're trained to have a very high threshold for pain and suffering, because that's how we're trained, shut it all down, cut it off, you know, detach, don't, you know, you got to compartmentalize the pain, no pain, no gain, and that's how we're trained, right? So, but if you don't go to the hospital, what happens? you create more harm and suffering because now your leg gets fixed a certain way. You're walking with this game. Every time you hit a rock or try to climb something, your legs in chronic pain, and now you're walking, you know, sideways and crab walking and you're not getting anywhere. So now we're, now we're causing more harm, more suffering, more pain, more hurt. And we start, as I always say, hurt people, hurt people broken people, break people, and we get stuck in this vicious cycle of hurt and pain, and we start to try to protect ourselves. So going back to Job. So Job said to God, because he's hurting, he's in pain, he's suffering, there's harm, and he's saying to God, you know, hey, listen, God, I will give you full vent, which means I'm going to be courageous enough to be vulnerable with you, to tell you everything, to be fully self-expressed. I need relief. I need healing in my body and my life because I can't keep doing this. I'm about to die. So he says to God, the safest place on earth, right? Uh, The rock, the refuge, you know, um, he came to heal the brokenhearted, set free the captives, Um, you know, bring light to the shadows that we just talked about, bringing light, truth, love, and there would be no more shame. And he goes to God, He said, God, I will give you full vent. I'll be authentic, courageous, take the mask off, show you my heart, as long as you don't do two things. You don't strike me, harm me, okay? Or leave or abandon me, right? Because that's kind of what we learn to expect as children, right? Growing up, if I was hurt in some way, or I was feeling bad, for some of us or a lot of us, whenever we felt hurt, we never were able to find that person to connect to and to give the comfort that we need. They just said, you know, man up, pull up your bootstraps, go figure it out, you know, and you had to turn instead of turning toward, right? The trust, turning toward as trust is built in these sliding door moments, turning toward, turning away, turning against. And most of the time when we turn for comfort uh, from someone, we would either someone would turn away from us or turn against us. We didn't get a lot of that turning towards stuff, so we learned to isolate, you know uh, learn to turtle up and become more love avoidant and disconnected because we couldn't trust that someone was going to be there for us anyway. so we just kind of shut down. So here I am in this group, and I'm sharing this story with the men in my life, right the men I trust, right. Being in the military, you know, you got, you know, with the $96 million question that you keep hearing me repeat over and over and over in all my broadcasts and podcasts is that we're all asking internally Are you there for me? Can I count on you? Do you have my back? Do I matter? I'm in, am I important? Are you going to be accessible and responsive and emotionally engaging? Right? Are you. Are you that safe person, right? A secure base that I can count on, right? We all need that secure base, that anchor, okay? Because when we don't have it, there's more hurt and harm, pain and suffering. That's how it goes, right? So that's the question we all have, and I'm laying this down for everybody because I'm feeling some hurt and pain. I'm looking for relief, and I need my safe place, my the guys my life so one of the guys on the other side of the bonfire as I'm expressing this to him iron sharpening iron and he says to me Joe I don't think safety is really a goal of men you know what I did just what I did I lashed out I called him a name I think I said "f you," and then I left and abandoned the group And as I walked away, I just saw my reenactment of my own trauma in that moment, because here I am, I'm saying to the group, asking for them to not lead, you know, to strike or harm, which I did. I lashed out, snapped, called them a name. And what I do, I abandon. I left the relationship, right? I left the group. I left the dialogue, the safe conversation that I was trying to set. And I reenacted and created another mistrust. Another it was the perfect gift for me. And just the right it was the perfect gift and just the right blessing for me to kind of go, okay, now I see what I do because I needed to see that being reenacted in the moment because I did to him what I. always was afraid they would do to me. And that's a pattern. That's a pattern, right? That's a fixed way of being. I always say there's problems and patterns. Problems find solutions. Patterns are a fixed way of being. So this was a pattern in my life. And I got a mirror in my face when we look at it. Because, again, the conflict, like an irritant, or a piece of sand, a sand particle in a oyster that creates the pearl. The conflict is that irritant that creates the pearl. And in that moment, instead of taking it in and letting it kind of become that blessing, I spit it out and reject it, ran away, didn't face my dragon. Because when that dragon has you dangling over the cliff, and we kind of make everyone else responsible for you know our wounded child the caretaker we do this with our women we do this with people we make them the caretaker of our wounded child and we don't and we're stuck and we keep reenacting the same thing with our women with our partners with our friends with our businesses instead of finding the playmate with the healthy child and bringing that child out into play because again we create these adaptive strategies as children right And the wounded child adapts and learns to get really black and white, rigid, tight, inflexible, demanding, controlling, you know, tight in the body, you know, ready to fight, you know, or maybe it's even, so that's kind of the reckless, relentless pursuing like the hailstorm or you turtle up and you avoid and you run away. I tended to do both lash out and leave. I had to go back to, the group, a friend of mine, Devon, was chasing me down. And I knew I now was in my shame. Here I'm walking away in shame, going, Man, I can't believe I did this again. I'm repeating a, another pattern. And I went back to apologize and kind of talk about what just happened with the group, right? And we all do this as men we all do this as human beings so what is the antidote to all of this what do we need to practice because i want to live under such a practice of compassion that when i forget my place right that who i am my stature who i'm going to be as a man where i'm going what i stand for what i fight for what i champion what i my higher purpose when i forget that stature that place when i lash out with some private wounding in a public way, I want to be remembered back into alignment with myself and my purpose. This is such an important thing. I want to live with the opportunity for reconciliation. See what war is to me, war is when we are working against resolution, restoration, repair, reconciliation, right? It's kind of like the good, the bad, the ugly. So there's, you know, there's good times, right? In relationships, marriage, all these things. There's good. There's good, you know, surroundings. And then sometimes bad things happen. And you bring on all the shame and the, man, I blew it again. And all uh, failure, you know, frustration, the fear, fatigue, you know, trying to find a way back, right? But when the bad doesn't get back to good. There is no reparation. It goes into the ugly and we continue to feel that wounding and we keep re wounding each other again. Right? So when someone around me is thoughtless or cruel, I want to be given a chance to respond with a ritual that really creates a possibility of reconnection, reconciliation to uh, make peace as far as it depends on me to make that peace happen, to be a peacemaker rather than someone that is continuing to judge. I want to live in a neighborhood where people don't shoot first, don't sue first, where people are story catchers willing to discover in strangers the mirror of ourselves, right? To see in that mirror of who who am I? Because we all have that, you know, do you? can you see me? Because we all want to be seen in some way, right? Some of our deepest psychic craving and some of our deepest wounding is when our reality and our experience was denied and we weren't able to repair and be seen in those moments, right? I see you, you know, an avatar, I see you, I I see you. And that felt experience of being gotten, right? That people get our world because that's compassion, empathy. I don't know about you guys, but if I ask people all the time, who is curious about you as a child or as an adult? And most of us never had anyone really curious and wonder, yeah, wow, why, you know, tell me about that. didn't have that sense of curiosity, right? So curiosity begets curiosity. So if you had parents or people that weren't curious, well, you don't become very curious about anyone else or their pain or empathetic. So that becomes part of the vicious cycle that we get caught up in right so we're looking for a mirror, straight you know to discover the strangers that are the mirror of ourselves because we see that in one another so as we remember we need to learn to be ourselves on this human journey we need the kind of tribe that allows us to look our worst make a mess fall down get hurt look foolish fumble even hurt others accidentally of course because we're not here again, to cause hurt and harm, pain and suffering, because, I mean, we're going to have injuries, right? Mutual injury, so long as we stay connected in relationship and committed to working through it and staying resourced and connected through the conflict. Because there's no way around it. You can't circumvent the pain or the hurt. You have to go through it. You have to lean into it and to face it and to understand where is this all coming up for, for us, right? So we can we can deal with it. So when I was in my doctoral program, I had been working with a guy, um, another professor, and the, we were talking about, um, the question was how do we heal a society, right? Um, and one of the things that we had to look at and explore is they were doing some work and research with the South Africans and how to, how did they, how are they healing um, a country that had civil war, tremendous violations of just human connection, humanity, pain, and these siblings and families and people they knew, all this war, this raging in the war. And so we were interviewing psychologists and bishops and other spiritual religious leaders there. And the question came up that we asked and we asked the, uh, the, a black bishop to respond first to this question. How do we heal and how do we bring restoration and reparation and reconciliation to a very torn country? What do we do? What needs to happen? And we were all very surprised by his response. He says, and he he said, we have to give up our right to injure back, to repeat evil for evil, injury for injury, pain for pain, hurt for hurt, suffering for suffering. We have to give up our right. It's kind of like the Bible said, you know, eye for eye, tooth, you got to give up the right to try to get the eye you know to take the other person's eye out it's that revenge on humanity the revenge the pain the suffering that we want to inflict on other people when we feel pain or we feel unprotected or we don't feel safe because that's where we tend to go as human in humanity for self-preservation right and he's saying i gotta we gotta be really vulnerable here open it up and allow and, and stop stop fighting and returning and, you know, evil for evil or hurt for hurt, you know, anger for anger, that retribution on society. I go, wow, that's, that's forgiveness, right? Forgiveness. Didn't deserve it, but forgiveness and love and acceptance. So, so I want us to think about some of this because again, when we begin to understand relationships and we commit to working on it, one of our roles in this kind of conscious community in tribe is to see us and accept us as we all are. Now, again, I'm not talking about the stuff like you know, there's so much pain and suffering in the world. I'm not talking about the hurt, harm, things that cause pain and suffering, like the human trafficking issues, abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, you know, the things that perpetuate suffering. That's stuff we do not accept, those things we fight against, right, to create safety for everyone, protection, human trafficking, sex you know, trafficking, um, harming children you know people that are needing our strength as men to see their best right to see their goodness to see the innocence and not the guilt to accept us as we are so we are we need to create uh, and so this is the work we do our genuine allies have to be in this group we want to make sure that we're not trying to get people to buy into our mask or our strategies. We, we want them to believe in us and see our wholeness and demand that from us. Okay. So let me give you a story here um, that kind of goes with the South Africa thing. Cause I was reading a story of a tribe in Southern Africa called uh, B-A-B-E-M-B-A, B-A-B-E-M-B-A. You can look it up in which when their person is doing something wrong, right? Something that destroys this delicate social net. And what they do is they bring all the work in the village to a halt. And I'm reminded of what happened with Jesus and the prostitute when they dragged her with this gang mentality and put her before Jesus and said, this woman sinned. She's a prostitute. Stoner, right? Stoner. So there's this mob mentality that we all have about judging and stoning and attacking and blaming and, you know, and discarding, devaluing. The mob mentality. We have this mob mentality today like this. So and then Jesus said to them, of course, you know, they're coming to him at a level 10 of such intense anger and rage. It was so intense. It was the whole mob. They're all, you know, group think mentality of frenzy, like blood in the water with sharks. Imagine the intensity because if you've ever seen videos online of stoning, it's very intense. These stonings, and here, you know, Jesus comes, and he's mirroring back, and he's, and so, how do you respond to such a thing? How do you get your heart around that? How much compassion, grace? Do you respond with uh, equally at a level ten in your rage? raging against the dying of the light here. And so Jesus said, and he responded with a negative like 10, but he spoke grace. And he said, those who haven't sinned, throw the first stone. One thing. De-escalated the whole thing. The mob had nowhere to go. So living in, this opportunity for reconciliation. So when someone around me is thoughtless or cruel, you know, I want to be given a chance to respond with this sense of humility and what they do here with that person, when they destroy this delicate social net that we call our society or relationship with society, our relationship with one another, what they do, again, they bring all the work to halt. The people gather around the offender, and one by one, they begin to recite everything he has done right in his life every good deed, thoughtful behavior, act of social responsibility. And these things have to be true about that person and spoken honestly. And But this time-honored consequence of misbehavior is to appreciate the person back into the better part of himself, right? So the person is given a chance to remember who he is and why he is important to the life of the village, right? I call that your honor chair, to honor that, to restore and to remind us of who we are and our goodness, and who, what we are created and designed by God to be, to do, to have. And this is not always easy because we, we want retribution sometimes and revenge to hurt rather than to bring that person back into that. I want to live under such a practice of this kind of compassion. So when we do forget our place, when I lash out in some private, wounding, public way, we want to be remembered back in alignment of the self and this purpose, right? living in that type of community, the opportunity again for reconciliation. This is important. My stepson, uh, he's eight. Um, he has gone through extreme, um, uh, child, aversive childhood experiences and trauma. He's had three open heart surgeries. He's been in a, uh, has a one household with his dad. It's very abusive. He'll come home with, um, bruises, and you can see, and I would talk to him. I say, "Hey, you know, I want to lean into him, right, and talk about it, because he had he has a lot of hurt and pain, and he doesn't. And he'll lash out. He'll get angry. He'll take it out on people. And he'll 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 he has all this stuff because he's doesn't have anywhere to go with his pain. We've he's tried. His mom's tried to get him, you know, the help that he needs to to get through this." And you can just, as a trauma-informed relationship psychotherapist, I see this all the time in people because I can code and decode behavior and track it and kind of go, Oh my God, there's trauma here. There's pain because he doesn't have words or language for what he's feeling inside. So he lashes out. He's in pain. And, he, we all, and this isn't a, his problem, right? I always say it doesn't matter if you're drowning at one feet, seven feet or 21 feet, you're drowning. And if one person's drowning, and we're all drowning this is a family this is a family problem this is a family issue there's not one person here who's wrong he's not the bad guy he is just reflecting and lashing out in his own hurt and pain and he's sitting in silence unable to share what he's really feeling deep inside because it's scary right so what i would say hey josh or hey what is this you know what's going on he would say nanya Nanya, Nanya, Nanya business, right? So, Nanya. Because there is nowhere for him to feel safe or secure. And so, this kind of continued to evolve and intensify, and some things occurred. And I, you know, and so when I would work with him, he would start acting out and getting aggressive and stuff. I would stop him and I'd say, Hey, um, what's your superpower? He says, I don't have a superpower. I said, no, you got a superpower. Now he had again, three, three, uh, open heart surgeries. Right. And I said, you know what your superpower is? Your superpower is courage. And you know what the the, and that's in a, there's a French word. And in French, the word core means heart. You have heart of bravery, courage, and what do we do? So you're like Iron Man, right? You're like Iron Man. He had to have his surgery on his heart. You're like Iron Man to restore him back to his true self and alignment to his purpose, to remember and to remind him of who he is as a little boy. And I'd say, you know, as men with our courage, we use our strength and our power as men and our love and our abilities to keep our mommies and other people, little girls, little boys, safe. That's who we are as men. And whenever he would kind of pop up into his, when he would ever feel anxious or his trauma would start popping up, I'd say, hey, Josh, I'd say, hey, what's your superpower? To remind him and to bring it back down to his courage, his strength, his power to love, to be vulnerable again, to trust that he could really take in and internalize and metabolize the power and strength that he has so that he could get mirrored back to this. And I just want to say this, guys, this is such an important thing as men, okay? As men, it is our duty. If we are going to change and heal the wounding of the patriarchy and the masculine in the world, we have to take a stand for Helping train all of our men, but not to shame them and to re-traumatize them, and, but to get the safety that they need. They need they're looking for that safe place. This kid had been in situation after situation with his heart stuff in so many traumatic experiences, he felt powerless and helpless and no control, and his mom is doing the best she can to create a safe place for her for him, everything she can. But here's the thing, guys, as men, okay? And moms are, I mean, I'm not putting, women are important. Moms are important. Women can imprint and nurture. But as men, we have to be a man with our men to be a man with our woman and others to create that sense of safety in the world. The, the, the hashtag Me Too movement is a, this is a tipping point in our humanity as men to rise up and to try to begin to create these tribes where we are strong enough to take a stand for things when we see that it's not okay and it's not right to take a stand. Our higher purpose. I saw, I was um, being a rescue or protector and, trained in this stuff. Um, I was out in public one time and I know some people are going to disagree with this, but this is who I am and what I stand for. And when I see violations or I see anything that where someone's going to be unprotected, it doesn't matter who it is. Even if it's my children, if there's creating a lack of safety in the tribe, the community, I'm going to say something, do something. I mean, if I need to get them to therapy or coaching, they're going because something is, They got to, we got to work on parenting this in our society, in our relationships. And it starts with us as men to have the courage, right? So I saw this guy, big guy, yelling, screaming, pulling on his, I don't know if his wife or girlfriend, and I had to say something. I mean, normally I don't say things, but if I see hurt that could go harm or pain that could go to suffering, I have in my conscious this thing, this surge in my body, that for me to do or say nothing would be wrong. It's wrong. And to take a stand. And so I said to the guy, hey, dude, you know, listen, you know, she's your woman. You know, you got the sword between your legs, right? Penetrate the world, your woman. You don't use your power and strength to harm and to attack your woman. You don't. And he's like, Get off my, who the heck are you, blah, blah, blah. Roddy, Roddy, Roddy. He starts going at me. And I say, well, listen, if you want to fight someone, you're going to fight someone like me because I'm big, I'm strong, I got shoulders, I got a big chest. I am you know, I may not win, but I'm going to definitely run interference on that type of beha- bad behavior and aggression. It's not okay. Take a stand. This is your woman. She is a big, beautiful, gorgeous woman deep ocean with currents and high tides, low tides, rip tides, and you're the earth. You're the, you're the beach. And it cra- you, she's got to be able to crash on you to feel like she feels safe. And your children need to feel that sense of safety as well. We don't hurt people, right? Hurt people, hurt people, broken people, break people. And this is the work, you know, that we start to do. So here's the trick we got to build our this collective mindshare right this collective of men because the trick here of course is that unless that we're working on ourselves and can actively self-reflect honestly and authentically and and join in that truth our reflections will often support the very habitual patterns we're trying to transcend so let's say a non growth oriented uh, community member or a person in the tribe um, will tend to collude with the disempowered version of who, uh, of, of us who habitually begin to wear, have this pattern. Um, and so we need to transcend that, right? But they continue to, of course, the choice here in our community, in our tribe, is to, the choice in the community is to, to, to keep wearing their mask. To keep wearing the, to be the pretender, right? To be inauthentic, right? I've been called out many times by men, many, many, many times. And they would say, Joe, you're so inauthentic. You're inauthentic even about your inauthenticity. That's all. In and I was a fake, a fraud, a phony. And I made a choice that I have to take a stand no matter what. And it is a tough position to be because, um, it can be a very con, it can be very challenging when you're taking a stand for someone who is hurting and in trouble and wounded. And that's important part of our society. If we're going to survive this next generation, we need to take a stand for one another to transform this world. Right. Cause the wounding of the masculine where you were maybe a person who was held down. Okay. Subjugated, disempowered, put down, right. And scared. This disempowered version of us where we had learned to wear this mask, because that's what we're doing. It's what we're doing. Now, of course, again, we can keep wearing that mask or, because then, if we're doing that, we can indirectly and unconsciously subcontract our need for acceptance and approval out to others or out to them without really telling them. Because then, when we don't love us, when they don't love us or appreciate or accept us the way that hurt little kid in us wants. Which is common and just the right blessing and the perfect gift for all of us to be able to be in the crucible and feel the pain of that abandonment so we can heal it, because we might get upset and hurt and mad and pissed and angry and cut off and you know shame, you know yell, scream, you know, lash out and abandon the relationship, which again is another reenactment of that disempowered little boy or little girl, right? That might be happening. But hopefully, when we be out, we're able to continue, if we continue to allow that to happen, and it's going to continue to reenact itself, and cycle it becomes one of those loops, right? And it'll happen again and again. But when we're, and we're willing to be the kind of adult that knows and is direct with our needs, Right? Whatever that need is, or until we're able to love those places and people, right, and appreciate ourselves back into ourselves, and we're and when we're we're not feeling it, we're not feeling that sense of appreciation or acceptance or love. Okay, when we're not feeling that way, we're able to get back to that sense of because those days happen, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. You're gonna have bad days. You don't have to go ugly. But we can ask for safe 911 friends and men and other people in our life to remind us that the story we've been telling ourselves, that I'm not lovable or, I'm not, or I don't have value or, you know, I get false accused, misportrayed and playing the victim is a lie. It's a lie that we've been told and we accepted it. Someone instigated it. Someone initiated it. Someone said it. We bought it. So together, again, we can begin to listen and to a deeper for that true story, the story that aligns with who we are and what we're capable and able to do to be, to help us for the real true self to come out, not the one that we learned as children that we had to exchange our, trade our authentic true self in in exchange for a false self where in an authentic self for the hustle for again giving away power, you know, the hustle for acceptance and love and approval by all this pretending and pleasing and perfecting and proving that we're okay. It's our tribes and communities job is to reflect that back. Okay. Accepting ourselves and others as we are, right? where we're at, where we are and how we are. And we can accelerate that by being in relationship with others who are able to help the real Joe, finding Joe, finding you to help the real us come out again. Cause that little boy who is, who's eight right now. He has a journey. He has his own hero's journey and he needs men that can guide him and lead him and support him and challenge him and coach him and create with him a new experience so that he does not continue to repeat the same wounding on and the sins of his father as we all do. This is what we're here to do, to heal society. Because soon enough, we're going to have... These friends that will probably be more drawn to us because we're facing the truth inside our fear, like I did with my tribe, my bonfire men troop, that we had to face the truth inside rather than posturing over it or demand, you know, all this. Because eventually, a conscious tribe, a family, friendships, community, having safe conversations and having the hard dialogues, putting the relationship first. Then we can be ourselves, the ugly parts and all, every ugly part. We can accept that. And the community becomes not only a container for our development, but the vehicle for our own awakening. As I say, I'm not a teacher here, I'm an awakener. I'm revealing what's already inside and bringing it back. I'm not perfect, I made my mistakes. Because now we have this space here, this ember inside that can turn into a flame and become this blazing fire as we come to remember, know, and begin to trust that we are indeed lovable, worthy, beautiful, just as we are, and we can accept. And I want to just thank God for the experiences and lessons I've had over the last 52 years old now of this being modeled back, but we're still unconscious. I pray for Josh, my stepson, his mom, every day. Because I know, I know we're all been wounded by a relationship. And we can only be healed in the context of relationship. And it starts with you and me. And the relationship has got to come first. And I'm here you can reach us. You can reach out. My number is 310 726 And Joe at rebuildingconnection.com. These are the, this is my stance in the world to penetrate. the. I have the sword to penetrate the world. Penetrate my woman. I'm here to leave a treasure, not a stain. To heal the wounding of the patriarchy, the masculine, the sins of our father these soul wounds that go deep into our soul and our spirit. And as men collectively, we have to rise up, rise up, be a man with your men, drop the shame, drop the ego, drop the agenda, drop it, put your sword down, be connect, We're not, because I can, we cannot allow another child to drown. We cannot allow another person's house to burn down because of our ignorance and our, because we are powerful. And so are women. We have to partner together because the leadership of the world is going to be in the dyad of a couple the marriage or the relationship or whoever your partner is could be in business, whatever leadership's going to be in the dyad. And we, and we have to heal that part between that is the barrier to all the success that we can have in, in our life. As we hold our hands and arms, this is my Christmas message, 2019 to everyone in the world, and this is my hope for a new beginning, new life for 2020. I may never have that opportunity to heal certain people that I come in touch with, but I want to make an impact, an imprint with one little boy, one man. Pay it forward. Love it forward. Bring all that our strength as men into the arena to help heal society. No more blame. No more judgment. We're all here to do our part. So thank you again. It's Joe Wickham with Reboot Your Relationship. This is uh, this is a very personal very personal message today about Um, our relationship with society and our call to action as men to use our sword to penetrate the world, to penetrate our women, to, to leave a treasure, not a stain, to heal the wounding of the masculine and the patriarchy and to find other ways. And we have to do it now. We're in crises. It's time for heroes to rise up and to do that, to use your courage, your strength, your power, your love to transform lives. Got to dig in deep to get there. All right. I just want to wish everyone a, an amazing, amazing new year, 2020. I'm going to be doing a ton of these podcasts over the next uh, year. Um, I'm, going to try, I'm going to try to do one or two a day just to get content out and connect with people um, and I want to thank my producer, Lee Honish, um, for helping me with this because it's been an amazing journey so far and to get this in the hands, uh, accessible to the hands of people around us and the people we love. I want to thank everyone. Thank you. God bless. May 2020 your best year ever. Bye-bye.